I have a confession to make. I am a sucker for those shows that you look at extreme makeovers. I'm a sucker for extreme makeover shows. Now, I haven't had cable or satellite since I was about 15 years old. My mom gave us the option, me and my sister, between cable or the internet and in my generation, we chose the internet. And so I've kind of been off of that, but if you go traveling or you go to the family, there would be, you know, sitting around on vacation or inside of a hotel room, scrolling through the stations and the channels, and you come across like one of those life networks, and I would just binge watch these things. I don't know what it is about seeing that, and maybe it's the, you know, the, the underdog story, or it's just seeing the stories of people's lives, but I am just a sucker for these kind of things. And so I just, you think about like, um, I don't know if they even still host us anymore, but Extreme House Makeover. I know there's probably different variations of it, but that had that scene at the end where the family, they go, they put them in a hotel, and then the crew come to work. They get the designers, they get a general contractor and electricians. Everybody come in, they gut the house, and they make it something unrecognizable. And there's that scene always at the end of the episode of an Extreme House Makeover where it'd be like, move that bus, and they would move the bus where the crew is, and you would see the reaction of the family, because they would show that before and after picture, that like, it, the house is like unrecognizable. You know, or you look at like these, these um, personal makeover shows, right? So they come in, they have somebody, there's possibly a family member or a friend or a spouse. It's a little bit concerned about where this person's fashion sense might have gone. Maybe it was left in the 80s, I don't know. But they bring them in, they have a bit of a, you know, um, they're, they're going to have an, you know, a conversation, they bring this crew in, and then they transform this person. The same thing, they bring in the family members and the friends again, and they have the before and after and that reveal. And it's, it's always funny to watch the reaction of people when that flip happens, because they can't believe their eyes that this is the same person. Now, I love these, and I love how this kind of speaks into life in general. You know, when it seems like everything is down and out, or that you're working with something that is distraught, you look at the foundations of a house, you look at these type of things and getting into the innards of it, where it looks like it's junk, that a crew can come in and bring new life to something that what previously looked like was a lost cause. And we think about the story of Easter, that this is the greatest story of what seems like a lost cause. And you think about these personal makeover things, you think about the idea of how we dress ourselves, how we clothe ourselves, how we carry ourselves. That imagery is actually very prevalent all throughout the Bible, this idea of clothing, what people wore. There, and, it, and it wasn't just about this aesthetics or about a fashion statement, but there was something deeper underneath the surface that is running through this strain all through the Old Testament into the New Testament. And it comes right into, all the way into the New Testament and points all the way to Jesus in this idea. So I want to camp a little bit on this idea of a personal life makeover or even this idea of how we clothe ourselves. And the Bible says, you know, you've been clothed with righteousness. You've been white as snow. That You've been given a new garment. But there's also something inside of the Easter story that I think sometimes we miss. That Jesus himself takes this idea and he flips it. Now, if we, we saw a little bit of this in the video, but I want to go into Mark 15. 
And if we roll up the first slide, in Mark 15, Jesus comes, or sorry, Jesus clothes himself in the old so that we can be dressed in the new. What do I mean by this? Well, if you look at what this verse says, we read these words. It says, The soldier took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in purple robe, and they wove a thorn of branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail the king of the Jews! And they struck him on the head and, and with a reed, and spit on him, and dropped on their, me- on their knees and mocked worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put on his own clothes on him again, and then they led him away to be crucified. So right even before, before he's about to go and he's about to do the greatest act in human history, this scene unfolds, and I think sometimes we kind of just glaze over, we, we, we just speed through it to get to the crux literally the crucifixion, the crux of human history. But there's something amazing that's happening here. See, as Jesus is being mocked, as he's being dressed, as the regiment are beating him and probably taunting him and going, who hit you, who hit you? In all of that, there's two things, two imageries in this that I want us to look at. One, he's clothed with a robe and he's put on with a crown. And as I was meditating and thinking about this verse we see almost this idea that Jesus is clothing himself with the mess of life. So instead of a, a crown, he gets a crown of thorns. The pain, the suffering of the world, death, the, the sting of death and sin. And he's given a robe, but it's out of mockery. It's out of violence. It's these soldiers coming and bowing at him and mocking him and humiliation. But he clothes himself with all of this because he's going to take all of this, all of this negativity, the sin, the hurt, the violence, the sting of death, all of the mess of the world he's going to put onto himself and then when he's led out to the cross, he nails that to the cross. And then when he goes to the grave, he buries it there. But not only that, by taking this robe, this clothing, clothing himself in the mess of the world, he takes that from us so he can give us something better. I want to illustrate this with two pieces of clothing. And I have two pieces of clothing here, one representing the mess of the world and one representing the perfection of Jesus. And I actually ran into a a friend today who was visiting the church. Are you here, Cole, still? Where is he? I want to invite him on stage. There he is. Come on, Cole, you're young. Come on, run, run. So this is an old friend of ours. There you go. If you saw any of the Easter videos, you would have reckoned, if you put a, a donkey outfit on him, that's our friend Cole. Cole, can you put this on for me? Oh, you already got it. Yeah. This is a very simple illustration, but Cole's playing the part of Jesus because he has a beard, so that's how that works. And I'm playing the part of humanity. And I'm wearing this clothes of the mess of the world. I just say the mess of the world, all of that junk. 
Just put it into that one word, the mess. And I'm clothed with the messiness of the mess of the world. And Jesus comes along, and what does he say? He takes off his righteousness, his perfection, the white. And he says, give me your mess and take my perfection, my cleanliness, my pure and blamelessness. And he says, put it on. And so then Jesus now is wearing our mess, and he takes that, I'm not going to, you know, nail you to the cross, don't worry. He takes that to the cross. Why don't you go stand over there? Takes that to the cross, and because Jesus takes it to the cross and he's buried with it, we now don't have to worry about this clothing anymore. He dealt with it, and he gives us this new clothes, this new perfect with no blemish, and now we can wear this instead of having to wear that. This is what a lot of scholars call the great exchange. I take this, you take this. Thanks, Cole. This idea is so prevalent in the Bible that hundreds of years before Jesus shows up on the scene, this prophet named Isaiah comes along and he speaks his promise. And we see this in Isaiah 53. He says this, It was our pains that he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for our own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins, our messiness. He took the punishment and then made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all of our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. See, this great exchange between the messiness to perfection is what Jesus accomplishes on the cross. He he bore our sins so that we could be clothed in his perfection. He wore the thorns so that we could have a crown. His afflictions brought us peace. His wounds made us whole. He was ridiculed and beaten so we could be healed and set free. He died so that we can have new life. That's why this theme of old for new, the messiness that we trade in the old, the things of our past, the things that Jesus buried already, And we get something new, something perfect, something miraculous. And all we need to do is accept that exchange. So the reality is it isn't that God is holding something back from us. It's that we're not receiving what is he's opening up with arms wide open, saying, let me take the mess of your life, of the world. I have something so much better for you. Let's look into a really condensed version. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, thinking about this idea of what Jesus accomplished on the cross of this great exchange, Paul says, how, you ask? In Christ, because of Jesus, because of the cross, in Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. Because what Jesus accomplishes... 
We bring nothing to the table. The hand we're holding gives us nothing. But Jesus gives us everything. Jesus gives us everything. So I want to challenge you guys with just one thought this evening. As we go into this Easter weekend, I want us to take a moment in this special event that we call Good Friday as an opportunity to lay down the old. It's something that God wants you to let go of so that you can receive something new. See, when we hold on so tight to something, we're not in a posture or in a position to receive anything because we're grasping so tightly onto the mess, trying to control, trying to bring to order, that we're not in a posture of being able to receive. We need to let go of that death grip, of that control grip on the mess of our life so that we can let it go and Jesus can deal with it. There's this amazing imagery heralding all the way back to the beginning where God says that God, in the beginning, created. But he says under the formlessness and the chaos of nothingness. We have this idea that's like there's zip, zero, but it's really that there's this, this chaos, this almost this violence, these things that are going on, and God brings it all into order. That in the same way in our own lives, in the chaos and the messiness, that God not only brings order to it, but gives a whole new perspective, a whole new life. So here's my challenge for you. Go to the next slide is this. To give Jesus the old, to give him this messiness, this old garment that you've been wearing around, maybe even as a as a badge of identity, your wounds, your brokenness, your sins, whatever it is, that you give up this old garment, this tattered messiness, stained, ripped, destroyed, reminiscing and reminding of the messiness and brokenness and violence of humanity in your own life. Give it up. Let it go. Give it to God and freely accept God's perfect gift of a new life. That's that challenge. See, think about it like this. See, the Bible says that we are new creations. It doesn't say we are becoming, that we can become. And it says because of what was done, we are declarative. You are a new creation. Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, because he goes to the grave, deals with all of the mess of the world, leaves it there, three days later, raises from the dead, and now gives new possibilities, new life, new creation. So it's not just that that Jesus comes into a house and puts up new paint. No, no, no. Right from the foundation, rebuilds something incredible. So when Jesus comes on the scene with a life makeover, it isn't just the clothes we wear or the makeup that's put on or how our hair or lack thereof, the hats you wear. Jesus starts from the inside out giving life transformation, this idea of metamorphosis. You become something completely different and beautiful. So think about it like this. That because of this idea, you have a declaration, I am a new creation. That's a declaration. 
You know that. So when you wake up in the morning, here's the thing. It isn't that you strive to change your life. It's that you wake up and you need to believe that what Jesus has done is true in your life. So you wake up, you have a shower, you get ready, you get dressed, you have breakfast, and you're ready to leave, and you have these two sweaters, these two garments hanging up at the door, and before you leave that door, every single day you have a choice. Every single day you have a choice. Am I going to wear the old, or am I going to wear the new? Am I going to go back and dig up the corpse that Jesus already buried? Am I going to go back into the trash and dig up and find that old garment and put it on? Or am I going to accept who God has made me to be in a new creation and wear the new garment? That's the choice we have. It's not that we need to make the exchange. It's that we need to believe and make the decision to say that I am a new creation. Or maybe for some of you, it looks like this, that you're wearing the old and this is what you've done. You've taken the old and you've covered yourself with the new. Hoping that this will do enough that you put on a new coat of paint in the home. You put it on some floorboards, some veneer But the piping, the foundation, the electrical, your house is about to set on fire because everything underneath is still faulty. Not only this, this looks ridiculous. How Who's seen that episode of Friends where Joey just puts on all the clothes? I'm wearing everything, right? Like, the bulkiness is involved in that. You walk around in life, it's like trying to drag a suitcase full of stones, You may have covered yourself. You may believe of what Jesus has done, but you haven't taken the time to give him the old. You're just hoping that this will be enough. And you know what? It will be for eternity. Jesus still loves you. He still wants to cover you. But what the problem is is about the here and now. Because ultimately, you have all this extra baggage now that you need to deal with. That Jesus is like, if you just stop dragging that suitcase around, open it up and let me take the weight out of there. All who are weary, come to me and I will give you peace. Take my yoke because it is easy. And so instead of just clothing yourself, Jesus, to take some time and to ask, what is the thing, what's the messiness, what's the layer that I need to shed off? And I just say, enough is enough. And chuck it away. And clothe yourself Not even giving yourself the option every day to even look at that messy garment and just know that I'm a child of God, that I'm adopted son and daughter, that I am royalty, that because of what Jesus has accomplished, I am, I am a new creation. So Jesus has taken the old you like it he nailed to the cross he buried it into the grave whatever it is and then when he comes out he's something different this guy is better than superman right like he just walks through walls and goes peace be with you and people are freaking out right like the resurrected this new life and he gives us that same life i'm gonna invite the band to come up and we're gonna do some business today before we get into the easter season 
You'll see on your seats that there's a card that is labeled old for new. We're going to take a moment to to think on this and we're going to pray a little bit and we have communion. If I can get the ushers just to take the lids off of the tables, two in the back and two in the front here. We've got some communion tables up here and on these tables, there's two up here, there's two in the back. There's baskets right there. And this is what we want you to do. We want you to exchange the old and receive the new. And so as we're worshiping, I want you to take some time to think and ask God with a posture of receiving, releasing and receiving. Tonight, God, Father God, tonight, what do you want me to release? What is the old, tarnished, messy thing that you want me to let go of? And I want you to take that card and there's a pen going to be in the seats in front of you. There's pens right in there. You can grab that and write down a word. You don't need to go into details or any of that. We're not, as a staff, going to pick these up and read through them and see how messed up you guys are. We all know we're messed up, okay? But this is for you guys. There's something cathartic and powerful about the idea of writing that out and seeing it in print. Now, if you don't feel comfortable with that, you can write out a word that you know what it means, but nobody else does. Or even if that you're not comfortable with, I don't care. Just do whatever you and God, what God is directing you to do. Take a blank card, whatever it is. Bring it up. Drop it into that bucket, that bucket, sorry, that basket, square basket. And then take the bread and the cup. I'm not, we're not going to take this together, but this is the idea of you're giving the old and you're taking the new and sit back down And in that moment, just let God's love and presence and acceptance wash over you and allow him to show you what that new thing is he wants to give you when you're ready to take that communion. So just again, really quick, as we're worshiping, you're going to grab this card, you're going to write there on there, what is the old thing that the Holy Spirit, that God is revealing to you? You're going to walk up, you're going to put it in the basket, you're going to take communion, you're going to sit down as we're worshiping. Let me just pray for you guys as we enter into this moment. Father God, we just thank you that you are a good, good father. One that loves and is chasing after his children. Who doesn't wait for the son to come home. But runs after him when he sees him into the distance. That is the God that we worship. That is you, Father. And you sent your son, Jesus. Jesus, you came and you... You paid the ultimate price to bring us home. So Holy Spirit, as the presence of God in us, reveal to us right now what is that thing that you want us to let go of? What is that old, messy thing you want us to leave at the altar tonight so that we can walk as new creations, holding our heads high, knowing that you have set a revolution into our lives as something new, new creations. Reveal that to us now. And as we worship, that you would just minister to us. We pray this in your name. And all of God's people said,